Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and joining me on today's episode is Mike Beckingham, one of the best up-and-coming actors right now in our country of Great Britain. I can't stress enough how great this guy is. He's most recently been in a film called Redwood, which is starting to make some big names for itself, one of the best British horrors that I've seen in a very long time. And he's going to be starring in an upcoming film called Black Sight. But I don't want to go too much into it because I'll spoil the interview itself. But it's been an absolute pleasure to sit with him, go for an interview, talking about everything from the moment he was born and when he first wanted to get into acting till his most recent projects and auditions. And it's something that I think is fascinating for the listener out there because you get to hear about what it's like getting it into the industry and kind of being the underdog and trying to make a name for yourself. It's been absolutely awesome speaking to the people like Anthony Hopkins and Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith and Neil Blomkamp, but they're all established. They've got their name out there and they're very successful. It's a completely different type of interview when you're talking to someone who's trying to make a name for themselves, and I'm trying to do more of this because the stories are fascinating. It's a much more insight to their lives and you know, you don't know anything about them right now, but you you will. And it's it's an absolute pleasure. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Now, before we get into that interview, what I want to kind of do is thank you all for tuning in to the last episode with Rick Harper. You know by now my obsession with The Room is unhealthy. My obsession with the disaster artist, Tommy Wiseau, everything about it is getting a bit out of hand. And I'm very aware of that, don't worry. I was kind of a little bit worried when I put that episode out because it wasn't a huge name at the time. I mean, Rick Harper's making a name for himself, a bit like Mike, but they're not everywhere. And I wanted people still to tune in because I thought the interview itself was one of the best I've done. But it's not the big name like Kevin Smith or Anthony Hopkins and stuff where people are going to tune in just for the name. It blew my mind when I saw the numbers. Currently right now, this is the third most popular episode I've ever done. Um, it's gone bigger than some of the big, big names I've interviewed recently. So to know that you guys are tuning in and hearing these stories is making my absolute day. So thank you very much. Now on to today's episode. As I said, Mike Beckingham is one of the greatest guys I've met. An absolute pleasure to hang out with. And it's been great to sit down and actually find out more about what it is he wants and where he's trying to get to. So without further ado, here's my interview with me and Mike and I hope you all enjoy. So my first question for you today is, at what age did you realise that you actually wanted to be an actor? Three. Three years old. As young as that? Yeah, yeah. I remember I was sat on my driveway in Brimscombe in Stroud and I was uh, on my own and I don't know why. Oh, I do know why. It's. Uh, I just. It's very vivid. It's very in my head as to exactly where I was. I can still picture it now. Like I said, I was on my drive and I was just playing my toys and I just stopped for a minute and I thought, I know what I want. I, you know, and I, and I know what I want to do. And and because I think a lot of a lot of what you go through when you're younger, you know, kind of resonates to your adult life. And so <clears throat> I've had a lot of input into I've had a lot of exposure shall I say to the arts and stuff um from when I can remember I was you know we were messing around with a camcorder from from a very young age me and my two brothers my dad's a musician so all I'd ever see him do was perform music and stuff and I think you know my cousin was an actor um and so I think from a very young age I think it was just instilled in me you know I just from from a baby before three, even though I wasn't even aware of it, I was being taken to my dad's concerts and stuff, obviously, in pub gardens and part of that whole atmosphere of, a, you know, an artistic sort of thing. And subconsciously, I think that kind of sunk in. So, yeah, three sounds young, but to me, it was just, I remember exactly where I was and, and when it was. And, and I'm very, I think, quite lucky in that regard that I've known what I've wanted to do I just believed I had something to give and and I knew how I wanted to give it you know I'm really jealous because I'm in my mid-30s and I still don't know what I want to do with my life (laughs) most of the most interesting people I know don't you know I I might be quoting Baz Luhrmann there but that's okay that's okay you know but I think you're onto something with what you're doing and and you know whether you've fallen into it or not I I think yeah I think um, it doesn't matter nowadays it's not it's you know I don't really buy into that whole society thing that you need to be when you're 30 you need to be married and with a kid and stuff I don't think that's the way we live our lives anymore I think you can I mean you can get 
degree via the computer at 40 years old and completely change careers. So I think, you know, nowadays um, people are a lot younger and I don't think there's that, that whole living a lifestyle um, as a generational thing. I think you're a lot more free to do what you want. And 35 is young, man. You know, it's, it's, it'll, you know it's, it's young. It's not no time. You've got loads of time. So you're saying at three years old you wanted to be an actor, which is cool, but what age were you actually taking films seriously? Because when I was a kid at that age, I didn't know really what was going on. I'd be watching stuff like Sesame Street, but when was <laughs> when were those films that you Don't watched? You know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, stuff like that. Those are the films uh, that I used to watch, but when was it you thought... I want to be inside the telly. I want to be that person on screen. Because at three, you don't really kind of no, know. No, you're right. I think, you know, like I said to you, we, we as a family, because we're quite a performing family, we, we always did generally, because I had two older brothers, would be um, constantly with a camcorder, you know. We would do our own sort of stop-motion capture um, stories, you know. of, of And this is going back on the day when the camcorders were massive and you had to push record, stop quickly, and then move it a millimetre record. And it took hours to, to make two little lorries crash together um, with action men in them. It, I never feared the camera. I, I embraced it. I was, you know, you can absolutely call it, you know, being a show-off. I totally was. But I, it was really weird. I look back in retrospect to... Um, like photos of when I was younger, you know, a bit older than three, maybe four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, before my teens. And, you know, at birthday parties, we'd, we'd all, you know, old school, you'd all line up with your with your mates who have come round for, like, finger food. And um, and you'd have a photo done. And then I look back on these photos and I realised that I was the one stood at the front doing a stupid pose. Yeah. I was the one closest to the camera. And I was doing that because I wasn't afraid of the camera. I actually loved the camera. And... Um, yeah, I guess I was, I was never scared of it, and um, or maybe scared's the wrong word. I don't know, but but just I I, I just loved that connection. I felt the, how the camera made you feel, and and but but I was doing it subconsciously at that age. You know, I wasn't. We'd make like uh, I don't know little TV shows constantly. Just make TV shows. We'd 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 make the first part of it one weekend, and the next weekend we'd film the next bit, and then the next bit. And so again, I was always had a camera sort of pointing at me a lot of the time and whether it was doing impressions of neighbors characters or whether it was uh, like a a, 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 t- a particular tv show that we did was based around a huge shotgun and uh it's kind of like a rambo-esque tv show where uh where one of my brothers was was a mercenary called bogorov and uh, it was all because this massive giant toy shotgun that we had, and he was this mercenary. It went on the rampage, and we had like a fireman Sam tent as the police headquarters. And um, I need to get know, my hands it, on this footage. There must be out there somewhere. I don't, mate. This is, we're going back to like oh, totally. But there will be footage of this. But but it, we're going back to the the time where you would have like. Uh, you know, like a little cas- the mini cassette tape that goes into the bigger cassette tape. Incredible. That goes into the VCR. Yeah. It was those, so they're in a box somewhere in this world, but no idea where. But I'd, oh god, if I find them and restored them, it would be great. They, the, there was uh, the two investigators that were that were investigating Bogorov were um, the Reverend Windpipe and Clint Training Shoe. Wow, those were the two, and uh, yeah. So, so from a young age, I was always always in front of a camera, and I and I just felt a connection with it. Yeah. So was there an actor that you were starting to warm to and you noticed in a few films, like, I'm liking this guy, I want to see more from him? Uh, not not so much. I think because I grew up on mainly, like, creature features. So, like, for example, there was always a Godzilla movie on, on a Saturday evening at 1am that we'd have to set the timer for record. I was always into the monster movies, not so much the actors, but the... You know, and then the you know gremlins and um, and all that sort of stuff. So, I, I hadn't really taken or, or, or looked at actors' performances at that stage. I mean, I'm trying to think now of of, of some of the, the the you know Ghostbusters back in the 80s with your Bill Murray's and your Dan yeah. Croyds and stuff. Um, you know, I used to love Ghostbusters, but be mainly because of the visuals, because of the ghosts, and because of the big Marshmallow Man and stuff, rather than looking at an actor's performance and. Uh, that was that was kind of what what always drew me in was the was that I love uh, yeah I loved all that sort of stuff the, the the monster creature features there was always a creature feature double bill on a Saturday evening it was always too late for me to stay up but I would always watch it 
the next day if it had recorded because you never knew back in those days whether the VCR would record or not. Amazing. I miss those days. And then, you know, getting all the adverts and fast-forwarding through them and, oh, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they were always fuzzy and stuff and they would always go fuzzy when you didn't want them to. But, yeah, I do miss those days. I do miss those days. And then the tape suddenly stops and you're like, oh, fuck, literally I've got 10 minutes of the film left. I really wanted to see the end and it's gone. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. Or you'd you'd mislabel the tape. Oh, that's the worst. over something really fucking good and you were like... No, that was my favourite Godzilla episode, and I've just recorded over with like half of a crap Godzilla episode. Yeah, there was always that. Um, but it was kind of weird. Uh, like a couple of years ago, I went back to Brimscombe to Bourne Lane, where I where I spent. Yeah, I had a lovely childhood, and um, I stood on Bourne Lane. I got my phone out to take a photo, and I just re- I realised that I I'd never ever had a mobile phone on that lane where I grew up. You know, because mobiles weren't invented back then. It was always landlines. Yeah. It was really surreal because I had this technology in my hand that, you know, that we, we kind of used back in the day, but now it's all in, in one thing. And it was kind of weird to do that, to revisit it, but with, you know, being being more grown up. So you mentioned, obviously, growing up with your two brothers and your father, John, and your yeah. dad's obviously a jazz musician. Yes. Was there pressure that you felt that you needed to go down that route to kind of you know, pass the baton and be the next musician in the family? No. And, I, and, and again, just coming back onto the bit I just, the, men, the point I just mentioned about um, being, you know, having a lovely childhood, I, I really did. And my parents never, I call it, um, they never clipped my wings. So they never, ever once turned around to me and said, Mike, you have to do this. Um, but if you want to do that, that's fine. But you have to do this. They never, ever once did that. Um, you know, I think, like I say, my, my dad, has been a musician he's now doing jazz and blues but he did you know lots of covers when he was younger and then he's been he's been in bands for about five decades six decades and i think because he was you know that a musician he never he never wanted to put any restraints on any of us he just allowed us to um allowed us to grow as as, as ourselves and um and and when my cousin was becoming successful as an actor in um in a tv series called sharp with pete Postlethwaite and Sean Bean it just seemed to it just seemed to fit the whole you know the artistic uh, angle from the family so I think we sort of as a family just all got it and we're just like that's okay yeah if you want to do it go do it you know that's good it's fortunate Um, because a lot of parents force them to want to kind of remold themselves and go by the mistakes they made so they can then make their child the the younger version of themselves and it's nice you're kind of given the free reign to become who you wanted yeah and and that's it like but you don't the thing is you only realize that when you get older and and you know you you kind of you really you look back and think you know not once did either my mum or dad say no you can't do that not once and and now my my dad's you know my he's retired now but he's my biggest fan you know he's we've got a day's worth of interviews coming up and he's like can i he's like hey can i drive you around i want to drive you to them and and make sure somebody set the record button so that you can record the, the one that's on TV and stuff. And, you know, this is, this is, you know, 30 years down the line, he's still really enthusiastic about seeing me, what I'm doing. And, and yeah, it's really lovely. I'm very fortunate like that. Um, not saying there's anything wrong with the way other people go about things, but yeah, my, my, I was very, very lucky to, to be brought up in that environment, certainly. And I think it, it definitely contributed because, you have to you have to learn from from your mistakes a lot of the time in this industry and you have to face hard times because it is really 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 hard as as everybody knows in any walk of life if you want to become successful it is extremely difficult and you don't tend to nowadays on the social media aspect see that side of things and i get it i understand why but it is very very tough um you know i had a uh, a friend of mine uh, messaged me and said, you know, Mike, I, I see you're doing, you're doing really well, and um, I'm thinking of like giving acting a try. And um, and I and I had to get back to him straight away and say, look, whoa, 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 you can't just give it a try. No. It's not. You have to. You have to sacrifice pretty much everything to to fully. You know, you got to go with very little money, or you've got to, as I've done, move away from your friends and family and. You can't just give it a try. That's not what it is. You've got to put everything into it. This is not just a hobby. This is a way of life. This is your career. Um, so yeah, I don't try and sugarcoat it. If somebody asks me for advice, I, I do tell them quite, quite, quite straight that it is extremely tough. But it, but it, 
it's worth it is is my point and you know you you kind of life is very short you got to do what makes you happy so then we're talking now kind of getting into your teenage years did you study kind of performing arts at secondary school and college and stuff or not no i mean we took drama class um obviously as part of the curriculum which was back in the day that it was it was a choice thing so i did choose drama as um in in um in school but it wasn't the thing is i'm not a i've always i've realized that i'm not an academic i'm I'm an apprentice, and and what I mean by that is that I don't. If you stuck me in a classroom and and had somebody talk me through their process, I you would lose me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't gain anything from that. I need to be doing it, and I learn best from doing it. And then I made a conscious effort to stay what I call as and, and as raw as possible. So I purposely don't um, read on read up on on other people's um, approaches to acting because I want myself to be as individual as possible i don't want to read about how somebody else went about doing it now i'm not saying that that's you know a, a wrong way to go um at all i think this i embrace anybody who's who knows their way of approaching acting and and utilizes it as fantastic because there's no right or wrong answer but for me it was i really have made an effort to try and stay as war as possible and try to try and carve out my own my own path and not and not kind of follow too too much because the creative aspect of acting for me comes when a when you develop the script with the act with the director and the writer and the and the other actors you know and and that means that you can approach it in the way that you see it in your head um not how somebody else would perceive it if that makes sense so yeah i kind of had this in my head that i wanted to stay as raw as possible from 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 my teen years as to um as to my approach to acting, definitely. So obviously looking back at your um, IMDb and seeing some of the work you've been in, you did a couple of shorts, but one of your big breaks was the film Subconscious, and it was working with Georgia Hilton, a director yeah. that's uh, obviously saw something in you and wanted to invest kind of a lot of time, and uh, that must be quite a big experience to be in quite a big film that was a risk at that point because you weren't really doing much, you weren't this big name, and she kind of gave you the, the screen time to prove yourself absolutely a hundred percent i couldn't have put it better really um yeah that was um that was a that was a fantastic sort of process for me and um i remember i remember that part distinctly as well where i'm i i was um my agent at the time was over in america and it was very lucky actually that i got on georgia's radar because my agent was over there doing something else another project with another client and met georgia and georgia just happened to mention she was shooting this feature film called Subconscious, and there's one lead part that she's still waiting to cast. It's sort of this cheeky, chappy sort of role, and uh, my agent was just, whoa, 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 hold the fort. I got, I've got a guy that, that I think could do that, and um, mentioned my name, and then we went through the casting process, um, and Georgia liked the fact that there was a British element to the, to the film when she hadn't planned it, so she had rewritten the role after she cast me to be a British uh, paranormal investigator which again was a huge compliment um, because we had gone through quite a long, a lengthy casting process. And then um, I just, it was, it was kind of this going back to the point I made earlier, but it was, I was sat there and the script got, the final draft got sent through to me. And, and I, I kind of, I was living with a mate at a time in Stroud in Gloucestershire. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to do this, I, I need to be true to myself, which is that I don't hold back. It's all or nothing with me. And I'm going to need to do this all. So I remember um, that meant that I'm going to have to tell my housemate I'm moving out, which would mean that he would then have to find another place to live. Um, And that was quite tough. So I bought a bottle of red wine. I went home, sat there, drank about half of it. He sat on the other (laughs) sofa. And I, and I, uh, and I kind of sat there and I I went, look, mate, um, this isn't working. So this, it's not you. It's me. Yeah, I kind of gave him that chat. Yeah, and then we put Bridget Jones on. Just <laughs> and made up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I just remember I just said to him, "Look, mate, I, uh, I'm gonna this this opportunity has come for a reason, and I'm gonna take it with everything I've got, which means I'm gonna sell everything that I own. I'm gonna take this opportunity, which will mean obviously that you're you're gonna be moving out." And he and he turned around to me, and without even acknowledging kind of what i said he said he just looked at me and he went 
if there's one person that can that can do it, it's you. Go and do it. And I was just like, wow. I didn't. Why did know, I bother I buying the red just... wine? Why did I bother all this? I could have just told know, you over I text. Saying, Fuck me, I got seven quid. Yeah. God's sake, I could have just. Jesus. Uh, yeah. But I do remember that that part. I was expecting to go absolutely barmy at me, going, "What the? F- Where did you expect me to live then?" For but he didn't. He was really, really supportive. And um, yeah, so I sold everything. Sold absolutely everything, and, and went and shot the movie. So yeah, I do remember that. And it was it was very very uh, generous of Georgia to give me that, like you say, that opportunity. So then last year, um, you got to work with one of the best up-and-coming movie makers, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I'm not just saying it because I know him and uh, we know Tom, <laughs> but um, I think the guy's going to be the next big thing. I really do. Tom Payton out there right now is making films and writing films and doing stuff that people shouldn't be doing with that little budget. I don't know how he does it, but he's he's one to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was... Within this industry, it's very hard to um, necessarily find. It's it's difficult to find particularly good people um, in any industry. Um, when I met Tom, I knew he was he was a, he was gonna he was on the same path. You know, he was it was like a you know it was like a it was just it just from the off it was it was straight away that I just knew, like you said, that this guy's going somewhere. And and yeah, so we 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 the thing was though was that. Um, I hadn't I hadn't been on his radar when when he was casting for Redwood. Um, we had met and we had spoken, but I wasn't on his radar. And it took um, George Burt, who was his DOP. I worked with George on another project, and it was actually George that recommended me to Tom. Said, "Look, if you had a look at my Beckenham, I think it'd be really good for this role." And, and then Tom was like, "No, I hadn't. No, actually, yeah, yeah, let's have a look at him." And so they, we went through the casting process, and then. And I think what's what's really important when you're certainly it's not imperative, but I think it's important that that you can connect off camera, off screen, and then when you want to transcend things onto screen, it, it just it just works because you, you you know you respect each other. And when me and Tom first got together after the casting process to go to the pub to have a proper chat out and flesh out the character and all that sort of stuff, we literally just sat there and drank a few beers and didn't really talk about the film at all. We were just we were just chewing the cud, you know, just talking about any movie that we've seen and stuff like that and it was just like wow do you know what i just i can i just get on with this guy he's just not only is he immensely talented but he's just a really cool guy that that i can really relate to so yeah he he, um he is going places there's no doubt about it so did he invite you to then come and audition for the part of josh or do you just go to the film set to want to be involved in this film or how did it then pan out to you basically getting the main role in the film yeah, so so once George had sort of got me on Tom's radar, we Tom and I then spoke, and and um, and Tom had said, you know, look, this this um, the the executive producers are looking at you know four or five guys for this role, and um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push you because I think you'd be ideal for it, and so he was immediately supportive um, from from the off, you know, he he wanted to give everybody a fair crack. He got down to the we got down to the last two and and um, and just you know Tom really fought for me which was which was very very uh, you know a huge compliment and and he just had that that sort of character in his head that he wanted to uh, he, he wanted me to play and and uh, yeah so then once we'd gone through the casting process and got down to the last two that was when he that was when he said to me look I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pushing you because I think you'd be great for it. So what was it like then when he actually then turned that to reality and it wasn't just a, oh, hopefully he'll try, but it actually became the part of you are the lead acting in this film? Yeah, it's one of the hardest things in this industry for me is being patient. Um, you know, a lot of people, I don't mind not, you know, messing up auditions and stuff. I quite, I love the audition process. I think it's great. A lot of people um, don't and I totally get why, but, but, um, but for me, the hardest point is, is being patient. And obviously, um, I think the other actor, I wasn't sure who it was, but but I was very, very good as well. So the executive producers were, and Tom was having a chat and saying, look, you know, is this who are we going with and stuff? So that took a that took a few days of just waiting and just you know not knowing. And that was that was very that was very tough. Um, but then yeah, when the when the call comes through and, and Tom said, look, we're going to go with you. It was just like wow, because it just felt like you say when you when you when you meet someone like Tom, you kind of you really do want to work with him, and we wanted to make it the right project, and it felt the right project, and it felt the right character, and it just sort of things just slotted into place, and 
it was uh yeah it was it was it, but but the things then happened really quickly i mean once we had, once they had cast the movie we were out in poland within i think a week or a week and a half we were already on the plane going over there to start shooting um which which is not long at all we hadn't even done a tabletop read through at this point um in fact we never did one because we didn't have time so myself and tatiana met for the first time at the polish airport and then we just like that's that's you know that's the beauty of indie filmmaking is that it is that fast pace a lot of the time and you've gotta you've gotta be you know you're up against it and you've gotta it's it's wonderful for for an actor certainly for me um that pressure i love that pressure and it was it was very yeah to start with it 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 was it was kind of like we flew into poland and then the very next day we start shooting it was like well me and tatiana hadn't really read a scene by this point we started reading the scenes the night before um, to flesh and then on set because Tom is such a good director and he's a really active director he, he worked with us as much as he could to start with the first couple of days just to get that that tone right and that feel right and then and then he let us let us go about our thing you know I think that's a good thing though because if you were there reading the scripts for weeks in studios like they do for these big companies like Universal and Sony and stuff I think you kind of you can get too nervous and kind of not actually just get straight into the role soon enough. So to know you're kind of thrown in at the deep end and it's like, this is the actress you're going to be part of. You're going to meet her. And by the way, we're filming tomorrow. For me, I would love that. I'd be like, right, this is, it doesn't give me even time to digest it. Both have their benefits, you know, both have their benefits. And, um, you know, as you look back as a, as an actor, you know, you're never truly happy with your performance because it will never be perfect. Nobody will ever. I think it was, in fact, Anthony Hopkins that said when he was 70 years old or something that he's still trying to perfect acting because you never, never really perfect the art, you know, which was a wonderful little sort of confidence booster for us who are, who are kind of up and coming to know that, you know, even an actor of his caliber will, will quite happily say that this wonderful art form of acting is, is never going to be fully um, perfected. But, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it is, it's a fantastic way to, to cut your teeth and to, you know, you can, like you say, totally, you can over-prepare. I've over-prepared for a lot of auditions sometimes and I've had, you know, a, a week, you know, a, a week's notice, which is quite a long time for auditions when you, um, and I've over-prepared for it. And, and you're absolutely right. You, 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 you second-guess yourself and you don't just go in thinking how you would have initially approached it you think oh no they might be looking for this i'm going to go this route or this direction yeah you're completely right um and so but then you know for big big studio movies you know they with so much money on the on the line they need to ensure that they're getting it right and um i think it was tom holland that was cast as spider-man then had to keep it quiet for or went through six months worth of auditions i think um couldn't even tell his like best friends or anything and it's just crazy it's yeah. So the, there's benefits. There's, there's benefits and, and cons, pros and cons to to both uh, approaches. But I do love indie filmmaking for that reason. That's a really good point. That with indie film, you kind of there's a lot more control. So Tom, you know, hasn't got studio interference all the time with people saying this isn't right. This isn't the the kind of vision we went for. I've luckily been able to see Redwood and I was absolutely buzzing when I got to see it at um, Horrorfest and I got to see that it was getting out there and people were going to movie um, festivals and getting to see this. It wasn't just a small release that was only on YouTube, you know, it was a... Yeah. The fact I even saw it at one of the... Was it The View or the Cineworld at listings? I was like, yes! You're like, yes, Tom, yes, Mike, you know, this is <laughs> this is fucking yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's been the traction that Redwood has picked up has been kind of crazy because you obviously want to do the best job you can. And um, yeah, when Fright Fest came in and said that we're going to open up Fright Fest 2017 in Leicester Square, it was like, wow, that's what incredible support for, for an indie film you guys are showing us. You know, we're up against, you know, Chucky and stuff. And it was like, it was just wonderful. It's been given a, a, some tremendous platforms now. Um, certainly even moving into the last week and a half, which we co- which we'll come on to. But yeah, it was, I, you don't really, you don't ever set out with that in mind. It, it just happens. But, but with Redwood, it just seems to have grown and grown. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really lovely, especially with, um, you know, we got told at the end of last year when they trialed it in, in Polish cinemas over a weekend and then it was received so well that they rolled it out nationwide in Poland over December. And that was like, wow, that was, yeah, we were happy for it just to be in cinemas just for the weekend. You know? yeah. That was that was an achievement. And then they would turn around to us and say, no, we're rolling out nationwide to every cinema. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> um, let me just get my head around that. But thank you. Um, yeah, it's been, 
it's been incredible to see the the traction and growth of this of this of this film. Like I said, it, Tom Payton wrote in two days. You know, um, it's just it's crazy but wonderful at the same time. It's a really good film. It, it reminds me. I can see that Tom's probably watched stuff like. Oh, I want to say stuff like The Descent. I can see that kind of oh, feel for it. Yeah, and... that's a, that you've hit the nail on the head. That was his made. That was his major inspiration when yeah. writing it. Good. Um, and it's it's a good film. And I'm you know you know me. I don't bullshit. I would say, come on, dude, it's wank. There's a lot better out there. But <laughs> I I enjoyed the film a lot, and I, I I want to skip to that bit now and talk about the last couple of weeks because it's not just been this little film that's gone on Poland been extended there's been some big big news over the last couple of weeks so talk to me yeah um so last Monday I woke up and I don't know about you but I have this the routine where you go and make yourself a coffee and then you sit back down and sort of used to used to go through the the papers now it's the social media stuff get on Twitter get on Facebook get on Instagram yeah 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 yeah. you do you, you check your socials you know that's what we do now that's how we roll um and uh, so I, I was kind of half awake and half asleep with this coffee waiting to cool down enough to drink it. And I went on Twitter and the first thing I saw was Tatiana, who plays Beth in the movie, had been nominated for a National Film Award. And I was like, what? I was like, that's that's massive. That's so good. So I, I messaged her straight away and I was like, Tatiana, you, you, th- th- congratulations, babe. You totally deserve it. Well done. This is huge. Um, and then I messaged Tom to say, have you seen Tatiana's been nominated for a National Film Award? Uh, and then half an hour later, he phones me back and says, yes, I've seen it now. It's on Twitter and it's it's great, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, I'm over the moon for her. And then uh, he turned around and went, well, there's big congratulations to you too. And, uh, and you've been nominated for Best Actor. And I was like, what? sorry, what? And it was... It was just, I kind of went into a trance for about 36 hours, I think. Um, but there was, um, oh, and by the way, he said, oh, and we've been nominated for Best Thriller as well. And I was like, we're up for three National Film Awards. Uh, when we, we didn't even realise that we were being put in front of the panel, none of us knew. This was the first that we had heard of it. So I was kind of like... They had announced it, Tatiana's on Twitter, the National Film Awards, and then um, Tom was like, haven't you been on the website? And I was like, no, no, I can't get on the website, it won't let me. And it turned out subsequently that on the 15th of January, when the National Film Awards launched the nominees, they had over a million votes that one day, and it shut the website down for, like, days. That was all your dad just hitting there clicking you. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I don't want to say that. (laughs) But, yeah. (laughs) I mean... The other actors are quite well known. Yeah, in the category. yeah. They're reasonably well known. Um, no, they're extremely talented. But um, but yeah, so I couldn't check for like two or three days on the website to ensure that it was actually. Tom had sent me screen prints and stuff, screen dumps of the of the website. But I was still like, I need to see it. So yeah, so it's been, it's been completely overwhelming, but in a wonderful way, you know. And I think, like I say, it's like you you don't you don't ever set out. Um, for for that to happen when you're making a movie at least I don't anyway you know you focus purely on the character and on the and on making on that project but you obviously want your performances to resonate now whether that's you know with an audience so whether that's a cinematic audience whether that's a family at home in the front room or whether it's a panel of judges you know you want it to resonate and obviously it was enough for this for the for the National Film Awards to to shortlist it and shortlist myself and Tatiana and that 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 was a that was a huge honour you know and and completely unexpected um, and to put it on that platform is incredible. So for the listeners right now that are all getting kind of juiced up and left dangling, um, <laughs> when are they going to get to see the film? Is there any announcement that they can get to see March. it? March. This March. This March. Yeah. So. Voting for the National Film Awards doesn't close until the 20th of March, but they are going to be able to catch the movie this March, yeah. Awesome. So that's literally only a few weeks away. Only a few weeks away to wait now, yeah. Brilliant. So the most recent film, which I'm the most excited about, because our good friend Danny is making a cameo in the film, (laughs) and it's sure... Yeah, he rocked up, he rocked up, yeah. And your return to working with the... Legend Tom again, so you're reunited, is for yeah. Black Sight. And yeah. this looks nothing like Redwood. This looks futuristic. It's got elements of, I, I want to say stuff like 
I want to say Blade Runner, but it isn't Blade Runner. But it's got that element of kind of Matrix. It's got it's it's. I'd say Escape from New York. That's that's say... that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's got that say... kind of retro vibe, but it has still got that sci-fi futuristic. It's 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 gritty, but it's it's polished. It's it's great. Yeah, totally. Um, and this is kind of Tom's baby, where he's he's had full creative control over this. He's written the script and and um and and got it financed himself and things like that so yeah he it was it's it, you're absolutely right it's completely different to um to redwood in so much as it's a very much a sci-fi action movie um wonderfully female driven um with a lot of martial arts in there uh quite violent in places and um a very sci- science fiction um story uh, as as the main as the as the main storyline yeah so you're playing the part of sam Yes, yeah. And I was watching some of your Instagram and you were like doing full-on days of training in martial arts. It isn't just a, oh, we'll try and make it look like you are. You were having <laughs> your body put through the tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was um, I mean, my Sam Levy, who, who who's my character in the movie, um, he's not a fighter. He's the kind of, um, he's a kind of human element to the to the story in so much as when you see what these girls can do you'll just be as an audience sort of watching it going wow um, whereas sam is the sort of the guy who just really sort of doesn't do he's not that he's not that martial artist kind of guy um however there are there are times in the story in the film when sam has to get his hands dirty and um and so yeah, we had to choreographer a fight um, and uh, and go into fight training and and all that sort of stuff, which was which was I've done some hand to hand stuff before, um, and it's great. It's great to see it come together and develop, and then um, uh, and then and then see it on screen. You know the 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 the, the fight that you've just you've just done. Um, but a lot of the which was incredible, the whole process, the the, the fight scenes that the girls were doing should have taken a week really to, to choreograph but they were literally doing two hours of of training and 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 blocking and then shooting they were shooting and then it was like wow the the turnaround time on these fight scenes were just incredible um and that's that's testament to their talent obviously it's it's so different i mean i've only seen bits i've seen little clips from the film i've not been able to see the final thing i know is is it being edited as we speak? It hasn't completely finished, has it, right now? No, no, it is in edit at the moment. So yeah, yeah it's not completely. And finished. what the I have movie, seen, the... I was honestly, it's crazy how much he does with editing and the after effects. Because you'll see this scene and can't believe like these neon lights and everything's been put in afterwards, and you, it it blows your mind how good it looks when he was just in like a underground bunker, and yeah. it's it's it blows my mind how good he's made those sets look. Yeah, and he's doing and he's doing all the he do, does a lot of the post stuff himself as well. He's very much an editor, so he he films, he directs with ed, with the edit in mind. You know, he knows exactly what he's looking for and how it's going to fit together and slot together. So yeah, his whole process uh, uh, at the age I think he's thirty one at the moment and is just incredible. You know, it's um, yeah, his whole style of how he approaches it and and uh, on a day to day basis is uh, and how he commands his set is just it's just remarkable, really. It's inspiring, and it, it the the confidence he's got and the way he is is fully deserved because he can back it up with the products. You might get some people that are kind of not arrogant, but too full of themselves, and you think, "Hang on a minute, what have you done?" But this guy knows what he's doing, and that's why I'm really looking forward to speaking with him and getting him on because he is one to watch. I, if I had to put money on anyone, he is going to be the next big thing, and I can't wait to see how far he goes. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. I'll be honest; he's brought me on so much as an actor as well, working with him and allowing me he's very much an actor's uh, director you know he allows me to bounce stuff off of him and he'll say yeah yeah let's try that if it and then he'll be like that worked that didn't work and stuff and and it it really does allow you to feel a part of the creative process obviously and um and yeah he's brought me on as an actor you know so so over the last few years of working with him um and uh you know yeah it's only a matter of time before before somebody sees what he can do with a little money and then give him a lot of money and, and he'll, he'll be knocking out of the park. You know, he's, he's a tremendous talent. So we talked about the days that you had to go and tell your housemate that you're ready to pack up and you're selling everything on eBay and about to go and make your first major big film. And now we're two, three years later. What is it looking like for you now? Obviously, you never look back. You don't regret it because you've got some good films under you. But what's your kind of plan now at this point? 
Well, um, so at the moment I'm uh, in talks for four films uh, this year, um, but because nothing's been signed, I don't I don't want to say too much. I don't like to get ahead of myself. No, um, but at least there's but, stuff um, in the pipeline. Yeah, so the, and they're four very different genre films, um, which for me is really important because as an actor, what I want to show is is range. Um, and I and I really sort of that's really important to me. So yeah, I think if if um, one of the movies um, is being shot in in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro over the summer, that would be a fantastic experience to go out there and shoot a movie. So yeah, if any of these sort of come about uh, or happen, then it would be a, an incredible year for me. Um, but then saying that, something might come out of left field, a project might come out of left field, and and completely change my year into something amazing, but in a completely different way. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, I'm excited for, 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 for 2018. And, and um, I couldn't have asked for a better start, really, with, with, the, with the National Film Awards supporting Redwood as they have done. Um, you know, it's, it's been a good one it's for been, the CV, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just been very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, you're still kind of not... It doesn't seem real. I know it's only so recent, but you're still kind of like, shit, that did happen. It wasn't yeah, a dream. I am like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but trying to embrace it as best I can. What I want to look at is the future and those people that are listening to the podcast now, and this is the reason I do it, is to inspire people. I want people to pick up an iPhone and record their first ever podcast. I want people to get a camera. Luckily, it's not like these VHS cameras that you and your brothers and dad <laughs> had, but make a film. Go out there and just go for it because you've got nothing to lose. But what advice from someone that is making very good progress, would you give to those people that are thinking about, could I be an actor? They're not three years old and listening like you when you started, but they are <sighs> listening now thinking, I, would, I wouldn't mind doing that. That's the sort of career I want. I would say uh, one t- the one thing is never too late. Don't ever listen to anybody that says you're too old to do something because it's rubbish. Um, and I would just say, one, be a good person, and two... Do what, do what ignites your soul. So if it's directing, then focus on directing. If it's being an actor, then focus on being an actor. Um, find out what works for you, you know, um, because there's, there's, there's a thousand ways up the mountain. Um, you just got to find which path is right for you. And so, yeah, I would just, there's, there's the only, I think it's a, it's quite a common saying that's the, the, the only hurdles that you put in front of yourself was what what is in your mind, and it's very true. Just if you want to do it, go and do it. But you've got to do it all or nothing. You know, it's not something that you can just dip your toe in the water and try. You have to go for it. But go for it if it's if it's what you want. It kind of comes back to at the start when you said that person turned around you and said they wouldn't mind giving it a try. It's not a bloody new type of Mars bar that you just give it a try. No. If, if it's there's a big difference, and as a podcaster there's such a difference when people say yeah yeah I reckon I could do podcast it's like you you have no idea to want to podcast and record with your friends is one thing but if you want to become the big thing and get to the next level it isn't just doing it 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 needs to be something you live and breathe and people can say yeah yeah no that's loving something that's wanting it you actually need to breathe it you need to sell all your belongings like you said and take some absolute crazy risks where people will look at you as if you're mental but you're not. You're just passionate, and you want to be that person you've set out to do. That is that is exactly it. And 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 it's not as I said to you before. It's not an easy journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't. Um, and you know, you look at our, you look at one of our favourite films, Jaws. You know, if if they had stopped filming because they had troubles with the shark, then the film would never have got made. You know, if they'd have given up on the first hurdle. The film would never have got made, but they persisted, and they and they and with all the troubles and turbulations they had making that movie, look what they came out with. You know, it's, it's scary. One of the greatest our, films ever. Our love for that is I always see on Twitter and stuff. But me and you are obsessed. But <laughs> it, it's it's unhealthy how much we love that film. But it it slightly. I slightly. can I can genuinely put my hand on my heart and say that not ever a day goes past where I don't think about Jaws and it inspires me because Spielberg should have walked off that set and gone, fuck this, I'm not doing it. You know, right. it, you've heard my interview with Carl Gottlieb. He yeah. he was there having a, a mental breakdown, writing the script as they're filming. Actors are hating each other, getting drunk, everything is going wrong, but they produced the perfect film and an absolute masterpiece. And for me, there's no better example of persistence because if the payoff is that good, 
Fucking hell, go for any any obstacle that comes your way, jump over it because you could make Jaws. That's exactly what the message I was that's portraying. It's exactly it. And Jaws is the the definitive, you know? It really is. Um so yeah. Couldn't I wanna go and watch stuff. Jaws now. <laughs> Piss off Mike, I wanna go and watch Jaws. <laughs> If, we're gonna stick it on now, actually. Yeah. If, if I go on ITV two now, it'll be on anyway. It, yeah, be, it'll be on somewhere, won't it? It always is. I, I, there was a funny story about that. About I can relate to Jaws. Um, so it was it was quite a surreal moment. I was so I I uh, was sat watching Jaws, and my phone went, and it was my agent, and they said, "Look, I've got an audition for you," and I said, like, "Okay, fantastic." Um, and they said it's on Thursday, and I was like, okay, cool. Oh, I can't do Thursday. I'm, 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 I'm working. I've got something else on. And um, but can I self tape? And they said, uh, they said, well, not really. And I said, okay, what? Why? And they said, well, because it's for Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what now? <laughs> and they said, yeah, yeah, it's for Spielberg, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to cancel whatever it is for on going on Thursday and I'm going to go in. And and um, I went in and, and saw um, Lucy Bevan, who was the casting director, who's a massive casting director, a uh, huge casting director. And we went and we did a couple of scenes together and um, subsequently found out that she actually forwarded my tape to Spielberg to have a look at. Um, didn't get the part, but it was very, it was a very surreal moment. Um, to be even looked at by... I don't know if Sir Steven Spielberg did actually visit view my tape, but it was what I was told. And, um, yeah, it was quite... Just for, for me to be watching Jaws when that phone call came in was quite was quite weird. And that was for uh, that was for Ready Player One, so... Which we can't wait for. That's going to be a nostalgia is, trip and a half. Yeah, I mean, the amount of Easter eggs that are in this movie is incredible. I think the casting's spot on. I'm a big... I think Ty Sheridan is 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 fantastic. I think um, I just think they've got a lot right with that movie, and um, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people enjoy it. It's one of the best books I've ever read, so I think it'll be a, a fantastic movie. I was worried. I was really worried because it, I'm such a lover of the book. I was like, it's wrote for me. It's like anyone that's grew up in the eighties. Oh, geeking out big time. And I just when I saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, it's right. It's absolutely fine. I had, what was I worrying about? It was given to the right hands to, to deliver the goods. And and I think they generally have done. I think it was. Uh, it, I think from what I can see from the trailer and stuff, it's gonna, it's gonna be a biggie. It's gonna be a big film, and I think they're gonna nail it because the book, like you said, is is fantastic. Absolutely geeking out over that book. Right then, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Um, I hope the listeners out there have got a really good insight because obviously when I interview people like Anthony Hopkins and people, they've been, they've lived, they've told the story. But what I liked about speaking with you is you're just starting your journey and it's yeah. it's going to be exciting to just see where this takes you. And I really appreciate the support, mate. So thank you for chatting with me. So there's my interview with me and Mike. As I said at the start, a really, really nice guy. We clicked instantly. We kind of hit it off instantly. And you could probably hear on the interview, it's like talking to one of my best friends. I'm so, so grateful I got some time with him. And he's going to be a name that you're going to hear a lot more of. Um, I can't say anything right now, but I've been texting and speaking with him regularly. And there's some big announcements coming over the next few weeks. And you will be seeing a lot more of him. So it's kind of that nice feeling of I've got him now while I can. Because in a year or two, I believe he will be in some big, big blockbusters. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll come back and talk about that when he's world famous and everyone's asking for time with him. A big thanks to Mike for coming on the show. Uh, I hope you had a blast. I know I did. Thanks for you guys out there listening and tuning in each episode. What's really good at the moment is... I'm getting a lot of response so behind the scenes I'm always working to try and speak to people from every kind of walk of life. I want documentary makers, I want actors, I even want people in the music industry. If someone has a valid and genuine story to tell I'm going to be there with a microphone trying to interview them because it just makes really good listening finding out something you didn't know about someone and it kind of it just goes with the flow and I I really enjoy doing it so As I said, right now I'm working really, really hard and the interviews are coming in quite fast. Um, As I'm speaking now, I've got another three interviews to do this week and another three or four next week. So expect lots and lots of uh, brand new episodes from Mark and me in the next few months. 
As always, please check markandme.com. Uh, I'm on Spotify now. Um, it's been a great, great response on there. I'm seeing a lot more listeners from all over the world, so it's been a great, great thing. I'm on Podomatic. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on iTunes. But if you just go on markandme.com, you can get access to my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram. And all I ask for is you to let me know if you're enjoying the episodes, leave an iTunes rating. Just let me know that you're listening and having a blast. And as long as you are, the episodes will keep coming. So as always, everyone, take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. And I'm sure you'll hear from me again in around two weeks time. Take care.